For uh, one of the most painful things, it has to be said, in any uh, relationship, there's got to be silence, hasn't it? There are many painful things in relationships, but silence has got to be up there. In any relationships, uh, a silence says you're ignored, uh, you're alone, you're unloved. Uh, today uh, we're looking at the third of our questions, uh, why are my prayers unanswered? Uh, and it's an important question, isn't it? Because I think it's probably the question uh, that lies behind a lot of the questions that have been uh, chalked up on the board over in Kirribilli and Sensory on the SMS. Uh, a lot of important questions. Uh, why can't I win the lotto? That was a good one. I'm sure someone's been praying at that. But more serious things like, why doesn't she love me? Someone wrote that up there, a whole love story we had. Uh, why was he taken from me? There's a painful question, isn't it? Uh, why don't you give me what I've been praying for years and years? Important questions. Questions, I'm sure, that have been asked through pain and tears. And it's painful, Uh, the pain is made all the more when our prayers are met with silence. We've all been there, haven't we, when we've prayed for something? I'm sure we've all prayed, whether as a last resort or our first port of call, we've all prayed, whether we call ourselves an atheist, an agnostic, or we're a Christian, we've all prayed. And we've all heard the sound of silence as we've prayed, I'm sure. Uh, in response to what we've asked for. We've, seen t- we've heard the tumbleweed. We've heard the painful silence, whether it's in response to a first world problem or one of our deepest heartfelt needs. So our question really is quite important because it reveals... Uh, it, it's quite important because it reveals... Uh, it helps us to see the God who we pray to. It's really important because when it comes to the God that we pray to, if we are unanswered, we can be left uh, feeling ignored, alone and unloved. Now I've got to say, obviously I'm up here uh, answering as an Anglican pastor. I'm here selling the product. Um, I'm someone who prays. I'm someone who's prayed for years and I've seen... God do extraordinary things uh, that I've prayed for out of impossible situations. I'm also someone who has heard the silence, who has prayed for things and has seen the tumbleweed and asked, what are you doing? Why aren't you hearing me, Lord? It's good to say right up front, I don't have a nice, neat answer for the silence in response to your prayers. Perhaps you Pray like a hypocrite, Matthew 6. Perhaps you babble like the idolaters. That would be an easy thing. But there is no uh, neat answer for the silence. I don't know what you've been praying for. I don't know uh, what God you're praying to. Or what you're expecting when, uh, to happen when you pray. So what I want us to do is uh, spend some time looking at uh, the Bible. And... Um, Looking at the Bible, in particular, this uh, the Lord's looking at the Lord's prayer. The Bible doesn't have a nice, neat, pithy answer. In fact, the Bible is full of prayers that are seemingly unanswered. Uh, but the Bible does t- teach us how to pray in this passage. So, uh, open your Bibles if you've closed them. At, open them to Matthew six, and hopefully, Matthew six 
will help us not to feel uh, ignored, unloved or alone as we look at Matthew 6. Um, It's one of the most famous prayers on the planet, isn't it? Uh, The Lord's Prayer, did it throw you when we read the Holman version that it didn't get recited in your head? That was me this morning trying to read it out and I remembered it all in NIV and all of that. Um, uh, But just have a look at the verse uh, verse 9, sentence 9 of chapter 6. Have a look. It says, uh, Jesus says, uh, most importantly, he says, therefore you should pray like this. So this prayer teaches us fundamentally how we should pray. So I want to spend some time looking at the Lord's Prayer and not give us this pithy answer that you can put in your pocket and take out out the door, but give us three, if you like, diagnostic questions. They'll come up on the screen. Three diagnostic questions to work out uh, where your uh, prayers are at, where you are at, and the God that you're praying to. So uh, let me ask the first question. Um, Let me ask the first question. The first question is this, who am I praying to? Who am I praying to? Uh, Who we pray to matters, doesn't it? Uh, Because at the heart of every prayer, at the end of every prayer ever said, is a relationship. And that relationship is reflected in the way that we pray. So uh, Muslims pray five times a day to a distant judge. Buddhists uh, meditate silently on their inner being. Witch doctors dance around in, in this kind of frenzy, trying to invoke demonic spirits, summon them to do their work. But what Jesus says in verse 9 of the Lord's Prayer is absolutely dynamite. Have a look with me at verse 9. He says something quite different to any of those things. He says, therefore you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. Now I know we're all familiar with uh, calling God our Father. That's what Christians do, isn't it? And the time has made that title lose its impact. But it's dynamite. Just think about it. Think about uh, what it means to call God your Father. Just think about the God who is portrayed in the Old Testament, Yahweh, the everlasting God, the creator, the sustainer of the whole world and the whole universe, the king of the universe, the almighty, uh, the holy one. Uh, We've heard he is the judge of all. That's the portrait of this big God. And you, if you're a Christian, you get to call him dad. Just like my kids do. Johnny Dexter, Arthur, Henry and Stanley, they all call me dad. Dad, dad, dad. They're all variations of dad. Uh, Reflected in the development stage. Uh, Johnny is uh, a bit grumpy at the minute. Um, But they all call me dad. We all enjoy this intimate, close, uh, intertwined relationship. Uh, No other religion does. Muslims find this incredibly offensive that Christians call God dad. It is at the heart of the Christian faith that Christians can know their creator as father. It's a close, personal, intimate relationship. It's not that Christians have just thought, oh, that would be a good thing to call God. Uh, uh, the Muslims have got uh, Allah. Uh, uh, we'll, give, uh, we'll go one step further and call him dad. No, this is significant and impactful uh, to what happened on the cross, what the gospel has done for us, that Christians can call God Father. And it's amazing. Imagine going up 
uh, to the White House knocking on the security gate and saying, is dad in please? Other people refer to him as Barack Obama, uh, but I like to think of him as dad. They'd stick you in Guantanamo, wouldn't they? They would think you're crazy. It would be inappropriate to do that. But it's not inappropriate for Christians because we have inherited uh, this, the relationship that we see Jesus have with his heavenly father. Uh, let me just read you a bit from John's gospel uh, that describes the relationship that Jesus has with God the father. John five nineteen, For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. If you never read a biography of Jesus' life or you haven't read one of the Gospels for a while, grab one and read it. And there you will see this beautiful picture of a relationship between Father and Son, between God the Son and God the Father, Jesus and God the Father. A beautiful, intimate relationship. And we see God the Son, Jesus... Uh, romping around first century Palestine, doing God-only things, calling his father, dad, an intertwined, close, real, intimate relationship. It's a relationship that is huge, and you see it. You see the effect of it as you read the Gospels. And it's a relationship that Jesus has gone to the cross so that we might inherit it. He gives himself to death To give us the relationship uh, that Jesus enjoyed of calling God his father. Of God being his father. That's what uh, Jesus gives to us as he dies on the cross. As we trust him. He gives us the right to be children of God and to call God our dad. Christians are adopted children. They're not adopted from a nice little house in Blues Point Road. They're adopted from the foulest orphanage you've ever known. They've been adopted from the enemy camp into the king's palace. They've been made, gone from strangers to being made co-heirs with Jesus. And given the right to speak to God, the God who made us, as dad. I think that's a brilliant little definition of prayer, isn't it? The, of Christian prayer, of talking to our dad. And it's important to remember that it's distinctly Christian and it's exclusively Christian uh, view of prayer. It's a real privilege that we enjoy. A friend of mine who I went to school with, uh, he played on my rugby team. He dated a a girl whose father owned a huge European soccer team. We were all jealous of this because he he got to go off every other weekend in, da- in the, the, the father's jet to sit in the father's owner's box of this soccer team in Italy and he even got to drive the father's Ferrari. It was amazing until she dumped him and, and then we uh, all queued to try and get to go out with this guy. Um, in the same way, in a similar way, it's a dumb illustration, isn't it? In a similar way, uh, Christians... Enjoy unrestricted, exclusive access to the God who holds the world in his hand, who is responsible for the breath in your lungs now. 
Uh, just listen to Psalm 34, 17. Uh, Psalm 34 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. Now, unlike my friends, Jesus will never break it off with you. When you're adopted by Jesus, he has signed the adoption papers with his blood and has secured you as his sons and daughters for eternity. And that is an amazing privilege. That is what prayer is, talking to our Father. I'm conscious there'll be people here for who Father is a messed up word. Your Father fell far short of what he should have been like. He left you feeling ignored, alone, and unloved. Maybe that's you. Well, Jesus wants us to know that your Father, uh, that your Father, uh, uh, your Father in heaven, is infinitely better than even the best of earthly fathers. Uh, Jesus uh, says this uh, uh, when he's talking about his. Uh, when he's talking about uh, fathers in Matthew chapter 7, he says, What a man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, he is the father who welcomes back the prodigal son, He is the father who searches unceasingly for the lost sheep. He's the father who feeds the birds in the air and clothes the flowers in the field. He's the father who lovingly and generously sends Jesus to the cross to win us back from the enemy camp, to adopt us from the foulest orphanage. So let me ask you, do you know the father? Do you know God as your father? Do you know God as your dad? Or is he a stranger? Is he a last resort? Is he a a good luck charm that you call upon in an emergency? You break the glass. And maybe you've forgotten, maybe you call yourself a Christian, you've forgotten the privilege that you have of calling God your father and forgotten who he is. Well, Jesus says, call on him, call on him as your father. Who are you praying to? Well, second um, diagnostic question. Uh, What am I praying for? What am I praying for? I'm embarrassed to say that one of my favourite films, uh, one of my favourite Disney movies, let me add that caveat, (laughs) one of my favourite Disney movies, and Raina knows this is the case, is Aladdin. You know the songs? No? (laughs) You know the songs? I know you all know the songs. Uh, It's Aladdin. I I was gripped by the story when I was a kid. I went to see it in the theatre. I got it out on the DVD when it came out. I even bought a lamp from a Spanish flea market in the hope that if I rubbed it hard enough, a genie would appear and give me a set of rollerblades. Not rollerblades, roller boots. Grew up in the 80s. A roller boots. That's what I always uh, wanted. I used to uh, think... The tragedy is I used to think uh, that that was how you prayed. Uh, Like the genie in the bottle. If you said the thing right, if you tried hard enough, if you rubbed the right way, then the genie would appear and grant you what you needed. But the genie way is a painful way to pray, isn't it? Uh, You see, like the lamp, if God doesn't grant you what you need, then uh, like the lamp, uh, God becomes a useless relic. And you can be left feeling ignored, alone, and unloved. 
I'm sure there's many of us here who pray like that. Perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you've, you've prayed. You've gone to God with your shopping list. Maybe you're a Christian and you go to God with your shopping list. I know that uh, my, myself find myself going uh, back into those ways of treating God more like Father Christmas than my Father in heaven. It's not wrong to ask God for stuff, is it? We're, uh, Christians are told, ask and it will be given to you. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Uh, for, uh, God says, ask and it will be given to you. Uh, be faithful and he will grant your prayers. We're told to ask for, some, ask for stuff. But when we come to know God as our Father, our agenda, our agenda for ourselves and our own lives becomes much uh, bigger when we know God as our Father. I wonder whether you noticed as we read the Lord's Prayer out there, there's just one material self-centered command. You know, our prayer life is full of them, but there's only one in the Lord's Prayer. Did you spot it? It's not a a better car, it's not a better postcard, it's there... um, Verse 11, sentence 11. Give us today our daily bread. It's a request that God will provide our fundamental needs to clothe, feed and house us. I wonder whether you notice the, the, what it's coupled with the, the last three um, requests in the Lord's Prayer. It's coupled uh, with the request that God would pardon us from our past sin and forgive us our debts. And it's coupled uh, with the prayer that God would protect us from falling into sin. But do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I wonder, if you're a Christian here this evening, uh, when was the last time that uh, you prayed that tomorrow you'd have food in your belly at lunchtime? That this week you would have a roof over your head? I wonder when was the last time... You prayed that. We take that stuff for granted, don't we? We've got social, social security. We've got, um, what's it called? Not social security. Medicare and all of that. Yeah, that. We've got all of that stuff, so we take it for granted. Uh, when was the last time uh, that you prayed for God's protection that you wouldn't fall into sin this week? When was the last time you prayed that for each other, for the people in your hive group, for the people here at Blues Point Road? Did you notice uh, he says, give us our daily bread? Uh, Do not bring us into temptation. It's a prayer that we should pray for each other, that God would keep us under his care. See, when we know know, uh, God as our Father, our agenda becomes bigger than just ourselves. And that's reflected in in the opening of the prayer, isn't it? At verse 10, Jesus says, um, Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. See, when we know God as our Father, we have his heart. He puts his spirit in us. And so uh, we're to pray his desires. Uh, We're not to pray to manipulate his will into and amongst our needs. We're not to kind of pray this Pray this prayer where we kind of summon the power from heaven to kind of tackle our problems and our needs. No, uh, Jesus says we are to pray that God's kingdom will come 
and that his will will be done. And so we submit ourselves to God's will and pray the things that he desires for his world. We're praying our Father's agenda for his world. I'm pretty conscious that sounds like a pastor's cop-out. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Oh, it wasn't his will. It's just suck it up. Uh, It sounds like a pastor's cop-out, but that uh, would fail to understand uh, what it means for God's kingdom to come here on earth. And to understand that, we just need to look around and see what followed Jesus around first century Palestine. As he romps around, uh, walks around the villages and walks around our world, uh, we see our brokenness of the brokenness of our world come undone. Uh, We see sickness and suffering come undone. We see evil neutralized. So when he says, uh, pray uh, that, um, when Jesus says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done, that is no little thing. Uh, We are not praying that just one problem will be sorted out. We're praying that the whole world's problems will be sorted out. That evil will be eradicated. That God's kingdom uh, will banish death forever. And we don't promise that those things, that uh, sickness and death and suffering uh, will end in this life. We promise that they will end once and for all when the king comes. As James said, when the judge comes to judge Uh, the heavens and the earth to judge us he will banish all that uh, opposes him and restore his world to his original beautiful intention for his world but it is right to pray that his kingdom will come now it's right to pray for healing it's right to pray that God would suppress evil dictators and when we see it happen we should praise God We're not promised that it will happen. We're told that our world is broken. But let's praise God uh, when we see it. And know that he is powerful enough to act. We won't get our hands on the finished beautiful product till that day when Jesus returns. But we can get a taste and we can get a sample of it now. One day he will destroy evil and suffering forever. We've said that he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Mourning will stop, death will be no more. And that will be an amazing day. We need to look forward to that. But God in his grace allows us to experience a bit of that now, to get a taster. What we need to understand though, is that for God's kingdom to come, we're praying that that people will come into this kingdom, that people will be saved for this kingdom, saved from the horrible orphanage to be children of God and so we need to uh, be praying that people will be saved that our friends that we work with the people that God has put in our lives uh, that the kingdom will come into their life that they will become members of his kingdom it's really important isn't it if we want them to be in that perfect new creation we're to pray pray that for them perhaps here you're, uh, you're here and you're not a Christian Pray that the kingdom will come in your life. Pray that God will reveal himself to you. That is his will. He wants you to know him. It cost him his son so that you would know him and call him father. So pray that God will reveal himself to you. 
pray that he would speak to you, that he would bring Jesus to life, that you might see your need for him and and know uh, how trustworthy he is. Pray that you would see him. And then open your Bibles. Come to Christianity Explored Monday nights at 7.30 in Kirribilli. Ask a Christian friend why they follow Jesus. Perhaps you're here and you're a Christian and you've forgotten that the kingdom is coming in the future. Start praying that it will come. It will be an amazing day. The hurt and the scars that we have will be no more. The mourning will be no more. And ask God for it to come. Ask God to taste a bit of it now. To keep you going for that that wonderful day. When we know the Father, when we realise what it means for God's kingdom to come, it will change our prayers. It will change our expectations of how God will answer our prayers. That's our final diagnostic question. How are you expecting your prayers to be answered? Um, James read a a great Bible reading from 1 Kings 19, so we should have given him a little bit of context for that Bible reading. It it documents uh, the prophet Elijah's prayer after he's finished doing battle with the the foreign Canaanite gods, the Baals. And um, Elijah's worn out, and he prays to God. Did you remember what he prayed? He prayed, I have had enough. Lord, take my life. And uh, how he answers Elijah's prayer is a wonderful picture of how God answers the prayers of his children, I think. You see, instead of killing Elijah, God answers his prayer. Do you remember how he answered it? By giving him an angel to keep him company. He answers it by giving him a good night's sleep. Not by killing him, but by giving him a good meal to fill him up and to rest him. It's amazing, isn't it? When we know God is our Father, often he gives us what we need, not what we ask for. If if I gave my sons everything that they asked for, then they would have no teeth because they'd be eating lollies for breakfast, lunch and dinner. They'd be foul as well. Sugar rush all over the place. They'd be terrible. Our Father is like that as well. He gives us what we need, not necessarily what we ask for. Remember that verse uh, uh, from Matthew that I uh, said earlier? Uh, if his son, uh, uh, what man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Remember that verse? I was chatting to a sister uh, here at church by the bridge, and she was, I was talking about the sermon, and she was saying, Oh, Andy, so often I pray for stones. And the Lord in his kindness gives me bread. Isn't that amazing? It's true, isn't it? That as God's God's kingdom comes, as we pray for it, God puts us in situations and and does things uh, for what we need, not necessarily what we ask. He puts us in situations that will change us to know what a good father he is. He'll put us in situations to change us so that we trust him more and more for his glory. And sometimes that will be painful. Sometimes that will hurt. But if we know God our Father, we can trust him that he is good, uh, that he is good and that he is trustworthy. Um, our women's 
Pastor Sarah Condi sent me this great quote. I want to read it out to you. It's a great quote uh, from a woman who uh, was an older Christian lady. She'd been a Christian for many years. And she said this on a similar subject. She said, the answer to prayer is not always as desirable as it might seem. Uh, We may pray for patience and find that God answers by giving us suffering. We may pray for the world to be saved and find ourselves ministering to lepers. We may pray for God's will to be done and find ourselves on a cross. The answers of God to prayer do not always come in the way we expect. Sometimes they cost sometimes they cost the one who received God's blessing what may seem a terrible price. This need not surprise us. The virtues of Christ can be given only to those who want them sincerely enough to receive them at any cost. It's a great insight, isn't it? It's a great insight that God gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. That's not to say we're not to cry out to God. We're to join with the psalmist and cry out to God. We're to hurt in front of him, in front of our Father in heaven. We're to yearn for our heart's desire and bawl our eyes out when we don't get it and and wrestle with the Lord in prayer. One of the most helpful things my wife said she's read in a book called The Praying Life. She said... The the, the book says, come as you are in prayer. Don't wear your mask. Don't pretend, make make pretend. Come as you are with your hurts and your desires and your sin and speak to your Father in heaven. If you're praying to the Father and you're asking for his will to be done, then you have the ear of the King of the universe. Your prayers may not seem like they are answered. Uh, you may see tumbleweed. You may hear silence more, that, more time than you see actually what you're asking for. The world that you live in may seem chaotic. But you know that you are in the good company of Jesus himself. Do you remember the last prayer he prayed? It was an unanswered prayer. He prayed for his father to save him from the cross. To take this cup from me. That God... Gave us not what Jesus wanted, but what we needed, and delivered him to the cross to bring us to God so that we can know and have confidence that when we cry out to God, he hears our voice. We can be confident that no matter what this broken world throws at us, he will turn tragedy into triumph, he will turn our agony into praise. And he will wipe away every tear, every one of our tears, every one of our hearts, forever, for eternity. I thought we'd uh, finish by praying the Lord's Prayer. So I'll give us a minute, and then I'll get us to pray it.